Now that you've had your board retreat and set your goals to grow your board or expand your gala, all of the things, it's time to think about implementation. And I know that for most human people, that's the part that can feel super overwhelming. So the challenge is, how exactly do you keep your board motivated around all of these exciting new goals throughout the year? In this episode, I'm going to talk about the purpose, the power, and the anatomy of a good board agreement, and how it can help you be intentional about shaping your work with your board. Welcome to the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast. I'm Brooke Ritchie Babbage. I've been in the social impact game for 25 years as a social justice lawyer turned two-time nonprofit founder and leader turned growth strategist and coach for leaders around the country. I grew my nonprofit from me and an intern in a tiny closet to a high-impact seven-figure organization. And along the way, I learned so, so much about how to build an organization that has real impact and how to do it without burning out. In this podcast, I share the nuts and bolts of all of it, so you can do that too. We dive into the mindset, strategies, and tactics of how to scale a high-impact organization and how to do it in a way that's truly sustainable. So why am I focused on this topic this week? Because if you're listening in real time, it's the beginning of the new year, and board engagement is almost always top of mind for the leaders that I work with right now. They've come out of a planning season, and they're really, really focused on how to actually execute all of the things that grew out of the retreats and the planning and the calls, and sometimes the hard work that board members did at the end of the last year to bring in new donors, to show up for events, et cetera. Setting the right expectations and habits from the start of a year is one of the strongest moves you can make to get to the point where you look up later in the year, April, June, and board members are plugged in, coming to events, picking up the phone when you call, and actually engaging in ways that feel meaningful and productive. Now, I think that one of the things at the core of lack of consistent engagement is often lack of clarity. There are some other things that get in the way of engagement, and I talk about them in a few of the other episodes of this podcast. I will include links to those episodes in the show notes. One is how to create the special magic of a high-impact nonprofit board, and a second is a simple, powerful tool for maintaining board engagement. So I go deeper into board engagement more holistically in those episodes. I also have a training about all of this. It's called Focus on Growth, Building a Board Rooted in Trust, and that is inside the template vault which you can access at brookrichiebabbage.com backslash template vault. But today I want to talk about lack of clarity because it's almost always one of the culprits when we peel back the onion of poor board engagement. EDs, executive directors, don't know what they want or need board members to do in a lot of cases. It's very opaque. We want boards to be engaged. We want boards to be connected. But it can be really hard to figure out what exactly that means for our board members, how exactly they can be helpful, what exactly the indicators of impact and engagement are. And so it's hard to communicate that to board members, right? If we aren't super clear in our own minds, board members definitely aren't clear. And so they don't really engage. This is where the simple board agreement, although simple, is really powerful. Think of a board agreement as a roadmap. 
It's a document that clearly outlines what is expected of each board member and what each board member personally agrees to do. It typically includes responsibilities like attending meetings regularly, actively participating in marketing or fundraising efforts, leveraging personal networks is a big one for the organization's benefit, and you know, identifying what those networks are. And a good agreement also goes beyond these basic government governance duties and identifies ways that board members can connect with the mission. How can they tap into their personal passions and skills and areas of expertise to support the organization and equally as importantly, to support the executive director and the leadership team? Now, unlike a job description, the agreement is personalized. It contains core governance and specific expectations, and then each board member, through reflection and ideally a discussion with the board chair and or the executive director, indicates exactly what they'll commit to, what they are agreeing to for the year. Now, this is powerful for four reasons that I want to highlight. And I highlight these here both so that you'll know them and so that you can articulate them to your board as you are either introducing or reintroducing or refining this idea of a board agreement. One, it's highly personal. Ideally, in these agreements, board members only agree to what they can agree to. This is their chance to say, this is how much I can pledge this year, or I see that the meetings are on these four dates. I'm going to have to miss the summer meeting, so I want you to know that up front. Or I can't really come to the programs because they happen at X time of the day, but I can attend funder meetings, or but I can plug in in this other way, right? This grounds their engagement, both in personal interest and in clarity about what they are motivated to give. So there's clarity and powerful intrinsic or internal motivation. Related to this, number two, because it's personal, it's also a powerful accountability tool. You can say to someone, you're the one who agreed to this, right? We talked about this in January or February. We laid it out. We talked about it and you thought about it. And this is what you committed to, right? A lot of organizations that I work with have both the board agreement and then a board engagement matrix where they literally track in the areas of governance, network building, whatever the core areas are, and we're going to talk about those in a moment, the core components of your agreement, they track what board members pledge to to do and how they pledge to show up and what they agree to. And then for each quarter, which board members are hitting the targets that the board members have set. That one-two punch is really powerful. And I find that boards really like the standardization of that. It makes it feel less personal. Third, These agreements form the backbone of governance structure. They set the tone for governance. They lay out a framework within which board members can operate. It becomes really clear. These are the five buckets that we we talk about and we mean when we talk about governance. This is how we as a board have agreed to show up. And these are the sort of lines and buckets of accountability. Right. So it zooms out at the same time that it's very personal. It zooms out and aligns the personal agreement around or within broader board agreements, definitions of governance. So it creates a backbone organizational structure for the board as a team or as an entity, depending on how you see your board. Finally, the clarity helps everyone stay on the same page and understand their roles 
and how they can contribute to the larger goals of the organization. And this is really important for board members. This is one of the things that I I have definitely experienced as a board member and that I hear a lot from other board members. Even when we're doing work and it may be clear how it fits into the goals of the board, it's not always as clear to board members how what they're doing fits into the larger goals of the organization. It may be totally clear in the executive director's mind, but not necessarily as clear to board members as we may think it is, those of us in leadership positions. So an effective board agreement actually removes ambiguities about what's expected from each member. Now, I want to highlight this is not about micromanagement. I think it's actually about empowerment. Knowing exactly what's expected of you can be really liberating and motivating. It allows board members to understand and fully engage with their roles set boundaries for where they can and cannot contribute so that everybody knows and contribute to the organization in a way that feels most impactful for them. That's when you will start to see this flywheel of engagement, when there is a beautiful alignment or intersection between the work that the board member is doing for the organization and the work that they are passionate about. So we know what it is and why it's important. Let me spend a few minutes on the how. This is not a set it and forget it kind of deal. These documents should be living, breathing parts of your organization, evolving as your organization grows and changes. So first, I recommend having board members fill them out and sign them every year. This gives you an opportunity to evolve the document, adjust the document as the board grows, as board members change, as again, broader definitions and agreements board-wide around what counts as governance, what the expectations around engagement are. As those things shift and evolve, they can be reflected and adjusted in the annual agreement. So you have board members fill them out every year. It's best when the agreement, the final agreement, grows out of an annual check-in between the executive director and or board chair and each board member, either at the transition of each fiscal or calendar year or in the middle of the year. I think the beginning of the year is ideal. Some organizations like doing it in the middle of the year because it sort of sets the tone for the rest of the year. I highly recommend the beginning of a fiscal or calendar year, um, but you can sort of go with the flow of your organization. This check-in should be ideally in person and should occur at some point between the last month of the fiscal year and the end of the first month of the new fiscal year. Now, I know I'm getting really precise here, but you want them to sort of build on the planning and goal setting that comes out of the end of a fiscal year or calendar year. And you want the board member to be able to build planning for their engagement with your organization into what is naturally happening for most people at that time of year, which is planning for their year. So there's a natural synergy between fitting in the meetings and the engagement with thinking and work they're already doing. Now, in these meetings, the board members should be able to share their passions and interests and concerns, and the executive director should be able to share what's on tap for the work of the organization and where the board member would be most helpful. Growing out of this conversation, the board member can then commit to engaging and showing up in particular ways that they've discussed. This is also a great opportunity just to hear what's exciting for you. Why are you still on this board? How can we leverage that and tap into that? And often, 
very often, things grow out of these annual check-ins that can not only be memorialized in a board agreement, but that shape and expand executive directors' understandings of why board members are there and how they can be leveraged as ambassadors and resources for the organization. Second, you want to review the expectations that are included in your agreement regularly. This can be done annually. I recommend doing it annually and as a full board. This is where the board gets to say, these are the elements of a board agreement that we think we should have. This is what we think counts as governance and fundraising and marketing. So you want to have at least one conversation board-wide about that every year. That's how you both adjust the board agreements and set the agenda for what will ultimately be these annual check-ins. Now, finally, I want to go through some of the sections that I think are really good to have in board agreements. Some organizations call these personal engagement plans, PEPs. Um, they're the same thing. You may have seen them called personal engagement plans. So the core sections that I recommend are, one, connecting with the organization's mission. So this is where you would list the activities that, the program activities that are going to happen for the year. If you don't have that level of granularity, you can include strategies, approaches. You can look at the annual planning that your team has done and include just information about here are our goals for the year. And the question here is, which of these are most exciting to you? And the board would check, right? This tells you right away, okay, share updates, share information, share impact about these particular program areas with this board member. This is also an opportunity for the board members to specify, and they'd write this in, I'm going to find ways that are most aligned with my interests to engage with the organization's missions and pro mission and programs, and here are one to three ways. And so they'd write that in, right? They respond to what's on tap, and they articulate ways that they have come up with for leveraging their passions and skills, et cetera. So first section is connecting with the organization's mission. The second I recommend is board governance. And so this is where you list the meeting dates and have them commit to ideally four, but a certain number of the annual dates. If it's quarterly, you write the four dates. You definitely want to try to have that calendar set going into your year. You want to include, if you have committees, this is where they would commit to a committee or express interest in a particular committee. They'd write that out. This is also where you would ask them to identify how they can leverage their skills or interests or networks in support of their role as a board member. So under the organizational mission part, they're talking about programs and mission-based work they want to get in involved with. This is their opportunity to say, I want to help with marketing. I want to help with strategic growth. I know we want to expand nationally. That's something I'm really excited about. So organizational goals. The third section is network expansion. And this is where you specifically ask them to identify the networks they will connect the organization to and to list those, right? These are my professional networks. This is an opportunity to 
really engage board members in conversations about what fundraising and network expansion mean, right? And to articulate to them that you understand that they're not actually expected to introduce everyone in all of their networks to the organization because those would not all be people with an affinity for your mission. This is an invitation for them to think deeply and strategically about which networks or which people they do think might have an affinity. And you can start conversations about that. So they specify that here. And then finally, resource development. Some organizations call this fundraising. I like resource development because this is where you invite them to share their annual contribution. If you have a give get, they would specify how much they want to give, how much they're going to get. This is where you list your fundraising activities as they have been decided. Are you going to have an event? How many people will the, will the board member bring? How will they engage with the annual year-end campaign? Are they going to be an ambassador? How many people do they think they can invite to be um, givers. This is where they can identify cultivation activities they want to host or sponsor. This is also where if you have a conversation as a board level at a board level about fundraising activities and cultivation events that specific board members are going to steward or move forward, list them here and have other board members say, oh, I'm not going to be the host of that event, but I'll be there or I'll bring people. So you want to be really specific and concrete here about ways to engage in resource development, connecting to funders, connecting to corporate partners, whatever your fundraising strategies are, this is where you list them with specificity and ask board members to say, yes, I'm in, no, I'm not. And even more importantly, I don't understand, right? I don't know if I could be interested in this one. I don't really understand what it is right? Or I need to think about it. That is a great invitation to follow up, to share more information, and is often an indication of lack of understanding, right? Lack of clarity that will manifest as not really engaging because they just don't really understand what that event is or how they could plug in. So it's a great sort of foundation for a deeper conversation. The last section is less of, um, it's not so much where board members check boxes or indicate their what they agreed to do. But I really like including a responsibilities of the organization section where you really clarify this is what you can expect as a board member, right? We'll provide necessary materials. You'll get regular updates, whatever the promise is to board members, and walk through those in your annual conversation and make sure that those are sufficient, that those make sense. Those responsibilities of the organization are also a great topic for general board conversation. Part of one meeting, are you all getting the things from the leadership team and the staff that you need to engage in the ways that we've identified in this agreement? And if not, this is a great section to update. Last thing, signatures, you date, and there's your agreement. So we have talked about the what, the why, the how, and the details of the content. And I will just wrap up by saying I cannot recommend a board agreement more highly. I have a guide that walks through all of this as well as a template and a high-impact board training inside the high-impact board bundle, which you can get at brookridgebabbage.com backslash board engagement bundle. And like I said, this content is also inside the template vault, which is brookridgebabbage.com backslash template vault. Definitely check out those other board engagement podcast links. I 
really, really hone in on the boarding agreement here because it's such a powerful tool and I just wanted to do a little deep dive. But those other podcast episodes sort of contextualize and add more um, sort of more background information and more heft to the conversation more generally about board engagement. So that's it for this week. I hope this was helpful and I will see you back here next week for more Mastermind. Thanks so much for joining me this week. If you enjoy this podcast, I would love for you to leave a rating and a review. I read every single one and they really do matter. I also share extra tidbits and resources building on what we talk about here in my newsletter, Leadership Forward 321. You can sign up by texting the word IMPACT to 66866. And finally, definitely check out the links and resources that I mentioned in this episode at brookrichiebabbage.com backslash podcast. See you next week.